this morning. Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse number 1. You have, a, have your Bible today, or your, some people have this kind of Bible, some people have this Bible, amen, but whatever device or whatever, I, I like, I use both kinds, but I like, I like the, the old, I'm a little old school sometimes, so. But turn in your Bibles there to 16th chapter of Mark, and they'll be putting it on the screen, beginning with verse number 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, They came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were... Alarmed, The King James says they were affrightened. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed, for you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, There you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, and they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. I want to talk to you this morning for just a little while on the thought of what a difference a day makes. What a difference a day makes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the sweet Spirit of God, the presence of the Lord here in this sanctuary today on this Easter Resurrection Sunday morning. We thank you for visiting with your people. And Lord, I'm asking for your anointing today to help me to minister your word, to teach, to preach, to share this gospel message with this congregation today. I ask that you would open the hearts of everyone here, the ears, our ears to hear, our hearts to be receptive of what you, the Spirit of God, would like to say to us today to encourage us. Have your way in every heart and every life, and I'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. You know, I think we would all agree that it's amazing how fast... Life can change. Things can be one way one day, and they can be totally different the next day. Things can literally, you know, your, your life and your situation can literally change overnight. We've all experienced that. One day we have a loved one, a family member that is there, and then the next day they're gone. They're not there anymore. We've been through that, and I know you have too. One day you can be the picture of health. You not have any any problems physically at all, and maybe the next day 
The next day you're hit with a terrible sickness that plagues your body. One day everything in life is good, then the next day everything seems to be falling apart. We see that in the Bible many instances, but especially, you know, with the life of Job, we know that that can be a fact, and we've experienced that as well. Things can change just overnight. But on the other hand, also one day you can be facing a hopeless situation, and then the next day God can move and the problem can be solved and everything is all right and the trouble is over. And many things, many things can change in the course of one day. We read stories like that in the Bible all through the Word of God. One of my favorites is Joseph. One day Joseph was in the prison and the very next day God moved in his behalf and turned his situation around and he went from the prison to the palace in one day. One day David was being pursued by Saul and running for his life. But then things changed and Saul died and the very next day David was sitting on the throne as king in Hebron anointed by Israel to be king in Hebron. Things can change dramatically in one day. But this is never more true than when the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This is never more, a more true statement than what we're here celebrating today. Because the day that Jesus was crucified and laid in that tomb was a dark day. It was a sad and miserable day for his followers. And the three days that he laid there in that tomb was a heartbreaking time for all of his disciples. They were filled with grief. They were filled with fear. They were filled with despair. And all of their hopes and their dreams had been dashed to pieces. Fear and doubt and grief flooded their lives. And they were in a place and in a state of bewilderment where they did not know what to do. The Sabbath day, and we sing about it, our worship team led us in those songs this morning, but that, that sing about that Sabbath day after the crucifixion, after the Lord was crucified. What a long and a dark and a miserable day that was, that seventh day before the first day of the week. But oh, ladies and gentlemen, what a difference a day can make. Hallelujah. Because Mark moves from this, this dark Saturday to a glorious Sunday. And in one day, in one day, everything changed. In that first verse of that 16th chapter, it says that now when the Sabbath was past. See, it was one day that made a difference that that one day changed the world, changed my life, changed your life. And you know what? We're here today. We're here today in this house, in this service, worshiping God because of that one day that took place 2,000 years ago. Amen. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead. 
These three women, the, 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 the gospel narrative here in Mark talks about these three women. It was Mary, the mother of James, Mary Magdalene, and Salome who had bought spices. As soon as the Sabbath was over, at sundown on that Saturday, they had went and bought spices in preparation to go early the next morning on that Sunday morning to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. These women had witnessed the death of Jesus. They had saw him die on the cross and they had saw how that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had taken the body of Jesus from the cross and had taken it to Joseph's tomb and laid the body there. They had wrapped him in some linen cloths and had laid him in the tomb and rolled that great heavy stone in front of that tomb and sealed it up. And uh, they saw that take place. And after the Sabbath at sunrise, Sunday morning, these three ladies came to the place with the spices that they had bought to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on their way there to the tomb, they were filled with doubts, of course. They were, they were hurting. They were filled with sorrow and with grief and with fear. They were even concerned. They were even worrying and talking to one another on the way of how they were going to get the stone out of the way, that huge, massive, round stone that had been rolled in front of the tomb of Jesus. Uh, probably could have weighed, from what I read, up, upwards to a thousand pounds. And they knew that these, th- these three ladies knew that they didn't have the strength to move that stone and they were worried about the stone that sealed the tomb. And they, they went to the tomb. These three ladies went to the tomb on that Sunday morning, not looking for a living Jesus, but they were looking for a cold corpse. And their problem was this. They were still living in Saturday, the day of shattered hopes and dreams and of disillusionment. They had believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and the King. They had believed that he had come to establish the kingdom of God on earth as the Old Testament prophets had spoken of and they were sure that this was the Messiah, that he had come and he had fulfilled those prophecies of those Old Testament prophets. They knew that he had come and they believed that their Messiah had come to to overthrow the Roman the Roman tyranny to overthrow the Roman government and to set up the kingdom of God and usher in the kingdom of God on the earth. That is what they were believing for. Jesus had tried to tell his disciples many times over and over that he was going to Jerusalem, that he would be crucified, that he would die on a cross, but that he would be resurrected three days later. But they just didn't seem to get it. And that's kindly the way these ladies were. They came to that tomb that day. Their hopes now in Jesus, their hopes for life were, uh, for their life were all in Jesus. And now Jesus was dead and those hopes had crumbled to the ground. And when that stone was rolled across that door of that tomb, it all seemed to be over to them. It all seemed to be the end. That Saturday before the resurrection was a day of desolation and gloom and despair. And do you know what? That the, the condition and the state that these three women were in and that Jesus' disciples were in is the same state that many are living in today. They're living today, they're living their life in Saturday without joy, without peace. They're children of Saturday instead of being children of Sunday. 
Sunday, the day of the resurrection. There's so many people today that are living without any hope, without any victory, without any peace, living in that, that place of darkness, unaware that they can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm so glad today, amen, that, that I can stand up here and say, I've got, I've got some hope today. I've got some joy today. I believe I'm looking at some people in this congregation this morning that you have some hope and some joy and some victory in your life because you're not living in Saturday. You've moved over to Sunday. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Like those women, there's so many that don't know that the tomb is empty or they don't realize it or recognize it. They don't understand today that Jesus is alive and that he does live today to save and to deliver from the bondage of sin that, praise God, what a difference one day has made in our lives. These women come to the tomb and they come there, you know, looking with, with, with sadness, just expecting to anoint the body of Jesus. And they came there, as I said, sad and disillusioned, but something happened to them when they got to the tomb. Something happened. They got up early, arose early on Sunday morning and made their way to the place where Jesus had been laid. And the Bible said in verse number four there of that 16th chapter of Mark that, that when they got there, it said that when they looked up, they saw that that stone had been rolled away. Here they were worried about the stone and worried about who was going to remove it. How would they ever get the stone moved to, to, to go in and anoint the body of Jesus? They came to that tomb that day with their head bowed and their eyes looking down and sad and hurt. But when they got there, they lifted up their eyes. And I love what the way Mark puts it there they lifted up their eyes and they looked up and when they looked up they saw the stone rolled away and they saw the tomb had been opened they didn't know but something had happened before they got there early that morning before they had arrived God had sent an earthquake that shook the ground and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and just took one finger and pushed that thousand pound stone and rolled it out of the way hallelujah and and the, the, the angel the appearance of that angel had so frightened the Roman guard that they begin to shake and they begin to quake and they became as dead men hallelujah and they fled back to town they didn't know that God had already showed up before they got there and the thing that they were worried about and the thing that they were concerned about. God had already moved, hallelujah, and already taken care of that. How many things are we worrying about today and stones that we are worried how they're going to be removed? But I want you to know something this morning, church, that God is going to move in your behalf. He can move the stone of your impossibility today. No matter what you're going through or facing in life, you serve a risen Savior. The stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty and he's got something for you special today in your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God. They find the stone rolled away. The angel 
sitting there. And they enter the tomb, and there's this angel, the young man in this long white robe. He has a message to give to these women. God used angels in various situations in the Bible. We read of messages that angels brought when God had an important message to deliver or an important announcement to make. God would send angels to make that announcement. It was an angel who announced the birth of Samson in the Old Testament. It was an angel who announced to Elizabeth the birth and to Zacharias the birth of John the Baptist. It was an angel that announced to Mary the birth of the Lord, the conception and birth of the Lord Jesus. So whenever God had something important to say, he would send an angel to make that announcement. But can I tell you something this morning? There was no announcement. There was, there was no message that was ever delivered by an angel or anybody else that was greater than the message that this angel had to deliver to these three women that day. The message that this angel had to deliver still has power today to give hope. It still has power today to change lives to all who will accept it and receive it and believe it. This message would end the doubt. It would end the despair of Saturday and it would cause these ladies to experience the power of the resurrection on Sunday. This announcement was made. Here was the message that he gave to them in verse 6. He said to them, Do not be alarmed, or as I said, affrightened. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. This was an announcement of the greatest miracle that had ever taken place. And with these words of this angel and with the empty tomb that they beheld, and he showed them the place where the Lord had lain, and with those words, I believe their despair was turned into hope, defeat into victory, and sorrow into joy. My Lord, ladies and gentlemen, what a difference a day can make in somebody's life. He was announcing to them the gospel right there. This angel was announcing the gospel. And it's the message of Easter that we proclaim today. And churches and pastors all over this nation today are standing behind pulpits proclaiming the gospel message that Jesus died, that Jesus was buried, and that Jesus rose on the third day, and that Jesus Christ is alive and well today. Can I get an amen? He's alive today. Woo, hallelujah. Their fear was changed into amazement. And these ladies left this tomb different than what they were when they got there. They came worried, as I said, about who was going to roll away the stone, but they found it already rolled away. Now God's going to use them to go forth from there to proclaim the gospel message. Isn't it amazing that the first evangelists that went from that tomb to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus were three women, amen. They went out proclaiming that Jesus was alive. Right at first, not everybody believed them, but this angel had given them the gospel message to take the good news, hallelujah, of the resurrection 
resurrection of Jesus, that good news that would roll away stones of fear and bondage and sorrow and discouragement in every individual heart and life. Thank God their sorrow was replaced with an overwhelming sense of the power of God. Do you notice what it says there in verse number 8? When they saw the empty tomb, they saw where Jesus had been laying. They saw that he was not there, but then they get the message from the angel that he is risen and he is alive. Verse 8 said that they were amazed. Hallelujah. Their worry and their sorrow and their, and their despair was now turned into amazement. They were amazed. What does it mean? For them to be amazed, that word, that word amazed there, the Greek word means a sacred ecstasy or rapture of the mind beyond itself. It means to be overcoming, overcome with awe. And so the experience of the empty tomb, actually what that's saying is that what they experienced when they saw the empty tomb and they heard the words of the angel, it literally blew their mind. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you what, if you get a hold of the fact of the resurrection of Jesus today and the greatest miracle that ever took place, the greatest demonstration of the power of God that was ever demonstrated was in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And I'll tell you what, if he can raise Jesus from the dead, he can solve your problems today, no matter what they may be. Jesus can take care of your situation today. They were amazed at what the Lord had done the, of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. It just literally blew their mind. It was more than they could comprehend. And I'm going to tell you something. When the resurrection of Christ is, is encountered and believed and embraced, that individual life, when faith is placed in Christ and the blood that we sing about and the resurrection that we sing about today, when faith is, is evidenced and placed in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a change that takes place in that person's life. Amen. That sinner is not a sinner anymore when they, when they make Jesus the Lord of their life. They're transformed from a sinner to a saint from a child of the devil to a child of almighty God. The Bible says that if any man, woman, any person be in Christ, they are made a brand new creation. Hallelujah. It's called the new birth. Amen. It's not just turning over a new leaf. It's not just keeping some rules and regulations. And I know people today say, well, I I would go to church but they got too many rules and they got too many regulations you know what we don't have rules and regulations it's, it's more than just a, a thou shalt not thou shalt not thou shalt not because I'm telling you when you place your faith in that risen Savior today and you are born again and become a new creature in Christ praise God nobody will have to force you to come to church nobody will have to make you live right because you've got somebody now that risen Christ living on the inside of you that changes your life completely. Woo! What you used to be, you're not anymore. You're a brand new 
creature, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus our Lord. Only God can do that. The power of the resurrection can do that. Amen? Hallelujah. Life that is no longer satisfied with Saturdays, but now lives in the glory of Sunday. What a difference a day can make. And I can tell you from experience today that I've been there. Many of you can testify today. You've been there. You've experienced that. But a day, one day has made a difference in your life today. How many is glad you're saved this morning? Oh, praise God. Give you three effects of this resurrection and then we'll let you go. Three effects of the resurrection message upon our lives today. The first one is this it gives us peace. It gives us peace. The message of the angel to these ladies was this be not frightened. The first thing that he spoke to them was to give them peace and to banish their fears. Be not alarmed. Be not affrighted. That word alarmed expresses a, a strong fear and an agitation. These ladies, when they got to that tomb, saw the stone rolled away, saw this angel, they were terrified. They were affrighted. But he spoke, immediately spoke peace to them. And I want to say this today, that this is one of, the, one of the effects and the benefits of the finished work of Christ on the cross and evidenced and experienced in the life of the, of the believer is that the finished work of Christ brings peace to your heart and to your life. I tell you what, I, I, you know, there's, there's a piece. We talked about it a little bit on Wednesday night. We were talking about being free and having victory over all worry and how the peace of God guards our minds and guards our hearts. But when you get born again, ladies and gentlemen, when you get saved, you have, you're no longer an enemy of God. There's no more enmity between you and God, but there's a peace that comes through the cross and through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. You're now, you're now at peace with God and there's a peace that, that garrisons and fills your heart and your mind. And so this, this angel says to them, the first thing he does is to speak peace to them and tell them not to be afraid. There's so many today that are, that are just plagued by fear. And the Bible tells us in, 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 in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, the Bible tells us that God has not given us the spirit of fear. There's fear that's used today. Satan uses fear against people today. The media uses fear to manipulate people today. But I'm going to tell you something today, church, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that empty tomb today, will banish the fear from your heart and life. God doesn't want you to be fearful. God doesn't want you to live your life afraid. God wants you to be full of joy and peace and victory in your life. Hallelujah. All fear is gone because of the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In our uh, last Tuesday, I believe it was, in our 
In our prayer service on Tuesday, I gave a little devotional from Isaiah 41 and 10, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. But in Isaiah 41 and 10, the Lord says, the Lord says, Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Can I tell you something today? There is no reason for a child of God to be bound up or plagued by a spirit of fear. Amen. The only thing we're to fear is we're to fear the Lord our God. But I don't, We're not to fear what may come upon us in this world. We've got a God today, a risen Savior that's alive today that will give us freedom from all of our fears. Can I get an amen today? There's peace that comes as an effect of the resurrection of Christ. The second thing the resurrection gives us is not only peace, but it gives us power. I don't know about you, but I love this because it says, the angel said, here was the message, he, be not frightened, he is risen. That's a message of power that Christ was alive. Now, Jesus was not the first one to, to rise from the dead. Quiet in here this morning. We read of resurrections, the song they sang, that rattle song. I like that, amen? But it talked about the bones of Elisha and that man that they threw in that tomb and how that he rose from the dead. There was a resurrection that took place. There was resurrections that Jesus performed, raising Lazarus from the dead. He raised the widow of Nain, her son, from the dead. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. How many remember those? But you know what? So, so there was others that were raised from the dead. But here's the thing. Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection because he was the first one to rise from the dead, never to die again. Amen. These other resurrections were kind of, I guess you could say were resuscitations. Those people were raised to live out their life and then they had to die again. But can I tell you something this morning, Abundant Life Family Church, that when Jesus came out of that grave and rose from the dead, he rose victorious over death death, hell, and the grave. He is alive today, never to die again. For 2,000 years, he's been seated at the right hand of God in heaven in that same human body that he was born with on that Christmas morning. Amen. But it's a glorified flesh and bone body, and he's still alive, and he's alive forevermore. When he appeared to John on the Isle of Pat, and John turned and he heard that voice behind him and he, and, he, and, he, and he turned to look and see who was speaking and he saw that vision of Jesus standing there hallelujah his voice was the sound of many waters he, his face was as the countenance the countenance of his face was as the sun shining in its strength and John became frightened 
and he fell at his feet as dead. And Jesus laid his hand on John. And Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Can somebody say amen today? He's alive forevermore. I said he's alive forevermore. Somebody, somebody had a post, I don't know, I don't remember, it's, it's been some time back, but there were some protesters that were marching and, and they one had a sign up that said that if Jesus comes back, we'll crucify him again. I got news for them, ladies and gentlemen. He ain't going to come back to be crucified again. He's coming back crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He's alive forevermore. Death has no hold upon him. That's the power of the resurrection. He was the first one to be resurrected to die no more. And can I tell you that every believer, every born again child of God, partakes of that same resurrection power. This is the power to live for God. This is the power that overcomes the world. This is the power that overcomes sin in your life. Is the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8 and 11, Paul talked about it and he said, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That is resurrection power. Where is that resurrection power? That same power that got Jesus out of the grave on that first Easter Sunday morning is the same power that you receive when you get born again. It's the same power that's on the inside of you right now that gives life to your mortal body. And it's the same power that one of these days very soon is going to give resurrection life to these mortal bodies and to give us glorified bodies to live with Him forever and ever in that glorified state. Amen. I'm glad for the resurrection power of Jesus. Paul said it in, in Galatians 2 and 20. He said, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. Paul said it writing to the, to the Philippian church in Philippians 3 and 10. He said that I may know him, speaking of Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That's the power that's available to every believer today to be able to live for Jesus Christ. You know what? You can't live for God in your own strength. I've heard people say, well, I would get saved, but I know I can't live it. You're exactly right. You can't live it. Not within your own ability or strength or power. You can't live it. I can't live it. But I'm telling you what, Jesus doesn't save you and then tell you you live it. He says, I'll come in you and live it in you and live it through you. It's by the power, the resurrection power of the risen Christ. Hallelujah. That puts new life and new desires on the inside of every born again believer. Amen. 
that's the effect of the resurrection, that we have peace, we have power. But he gives you also, thirdly, he gives you a promise. He gives you a promise. And this angel said in verse number 7 to these three ladies, he said, you, I'm just taking this phrase out, you put that verse 7 back up there if you would, Mark. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. And notice this, there you will see him. They had received a promise that they would see the Lord. They see the empty tomb. They get the message from the angel. They came there expecting to find a dead body, but they left there with a promise that they were going to not see or find a dead body, but they would see a living face and a living Christ. I want to tell you something, folks. That promise was not just to those three ladies. That promise was not just to Peter and the disciples that they would see his face in Galilee, in which they did. But can I tell you, that promise is to you and me today. That is a promise of the resurrection of Christ. That one day, we believe on him now. We believe on him today. You remember when when he appeared after his resurrection to his disciples and he appeared to them and Thomas wasn't there and they told Thomas when he got there, he said, oh, the Lord was here. The Lord appeared to us. And Thomas, you know, was like so many of us. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it. I'd have to see the, 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 the nail prints in his hands and the, and the slit in his side before I could believe, before I'll believe. Jesus appeared eight days later and Thomas was there. And he told Thomas, he said, here I am, Thomas. Come on, reach your hand out. Put your, put your fingers in the prints of the nails and put your hand in my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas, Thomas declared, my Lord and my God. Remember that? And Jesus Jesus declared a a blessing upon Thomas that day and he said, Thomas, you have seen me and you have believed, but blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. Listen, I've never seen him with my natural eyes. I I sense his spirit. I I hear his spirit, his voice speaking in my spirit, but I haven't laid eyes on him yet. But I'm telling you, I believe that promise today that one day, soon and very soon, that every one of us who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and we have made him our King and our Lord we shall look upon his face. Remember that old song? Oh I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace on the streets of glory let me lift my voice my cares all pass my I'm home at last ever to rejoice. Can I try to encourage you a little bit today saints of God we're going to see him. Revelation 22 4 says they will look upon his face. I'm going to look upon the face of the Lord Jesus Christ soon and very soon we all shall see him as he is because of the resurrection. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sister Becky, Jeff has seen him and is looking upon him today. Praise God. Amen. There's coming a day very soon. The Bible speaks of 
an event known as, to Bible believers, as the rapture. I know some folks are saying, here you go again. (laughs) Amen. Here he goes again. How many of y'all believe today? Jesus is coming back. Huh? Woo! Man, that resurrected Jesus that's seated in heaven right now is coming back. In in, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus got ready right before his ascension to heaven, he he commissioned those that were there, above 500 saw him at one time. And there from the Mount of Olives, he told them to go back to Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father to be endued with power from on high. And as he was standing there, the Bible said that he began to be He began to ascend. He was caught up into heaven and everybody was standing there watching him and two angels were by him at his side. And those angels said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, not another one, not one like him, this same Jesus that you see ascending into heaven today shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And I've got to tell you today, church, that we are on the brink of that coming back of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming for his church. His coming, his second coming, is in two stages. The first stage, he will just come in the air and he will sound the trump. The angel of God will sound the trump of God and he's coming back for those who are his. He's coming back for those to resurrect those dead saints that their bodies are in the ground and their bodies have been laid there in those graves. But at that rapture of the church, hallelujah, at that first resurrection, he's going going to come and descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and those dead in Christ their graves are going to open up and the dead in Christ shall rise first do you know why we have that promise do you know why we can say that we're going to be resurrected listen there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down there ain't no grave gonna hold Hold your body down. Jesus is coming to resurrect the sainted dead. And it can happen today. It can happen at any moment, at any day. Woo. We have a teenage daughter we laid to rest. Has a grave in Cape Girardeau. A nine-month-old baby that's in a grave. The body in a grave in Cape Girardeau. My mom is buried there. My dad, Vicky's parents, our grandparents. But I'm telling you, those bodies that were sown in corruption are going to be raised in incorruption. They were sown in dishonor, but they're going to be raised in glory. I'm telling you, because he lives, I've got a promise and you've got a promise of our own resurrection. Praise God. And we're going to be raised in a moment and in a twinkling of an eye. Should that rapture take place today? Should it take place today? And there's nothing, listen to me, there's nothing preventing it from happening. 
happening. There's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled. There's nothing that has to take place. The next event on God's prophetic calendar is for him to come in the clouds of glory to catch his church away. We can see the signs that are, come, that are coming to pass, the signs that point to the coming of the Antichrist, the signs that point to the tribulation that's just upon us. When they're trying to say now that, you know, they want a, a vaccine passport so that before you can go anywhere, do anything, that you'll have to show this passport to go into certain stores or places of business. Is that the mark of the beast? No. But it is getting it all set up for that we see the signs coming to pass every single day. And the coming of the Lord is at hand. Folks, we need to be ready. We need to be watching. We need to be, have our eyes not looking down but lifted up because our redemption is drawing nigh. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo! We'll see his face. Hallelujah. The Lord will descend from heaven. We'll see his face. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What are the qualifications? And I'm closing. What are the qualifications to make the rapture of the church? I know a lot of people say a lot of different things. We well, have to do this, 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 this. But... The qualification that the Bible gives is to be in Christ. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive, we who? We who are in Christ, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus is coming. The same Jesus that came out of that grave is coming back to get his church and then coming in glory to set up his kingdom. David said this, worship team, you can make your way back. David said this in Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness and I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Praise God. Brother Rick, going to get a body, won't have no more weakness. Won't have no more weak legs or weak knees. No more sickness. No more disease. A body that is fashioned like unto his glorious resurrected body. Somebody said we'll all be 33 and a half years old. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where do you get that from? Well, you know, we're going to be like Jesus. And when Jesus died, he was 33 and a half. When he rose from the dead in that glorified body, he was 33 and a half years old. And he still is. He hadn't aged a bit. Come on, somebody. Woo! I believe that... <laughs> when this corruption puts on incorruption, this mortal puts on immortality, that we're going to be restored to our youthful, youthfulness. Amen? Won't be nobody old and feeble anymore. But we'll have a body like his. 
No more gray in the beard. Huh? No more, no more baldness of what I say here a few weeks ago, no more bunions and baldness and bulges or bifocals. Whoo! Hallelujah! Throw these things away. Amen. A body fashioned like his glorious body. Listen, church, that's the blessed hope of the church. It's Jesus coming back for his people. The resurrection from the dead. The changing of those who are alive into the very image of Christ to be caught up with the Lord. That's the hope of the church. And it's all possible because of his resurrection. He's the first fruits of our resurrection. What a glorious future we have. So listen, when you get to thinking about it, it's amazing what the Lord has provided in His redemptive plan. It does boggle the mind. It's hard to explain. I ministered at a prophecy conference a couple of years ago, Brother Jerry McCraven and they gave me the assignment to preach on the new heaven and the new earth. And I said, man, you've given me a rough assignment because I'm trying to describe something I ain't never seen before. The only one that saw it was John the Revelator. And he tried to describe it as best that he could. But that place called heaven is real. The glorified body is real. Jesus is coming soon to get his people. He's alive today. He's rolled the stone away from your life. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him and he is not the Lord of your life, if you haven't accepted Jesus, he wants you to just make him your Lord and Savior. Place your faith in him today be born again, to be saved. Hallelujah. Eternal life is yours today for the taking. Bow your heads with me. Father, we love you today. We thank you so much for the privilege of being here today in this house, enjoying the presence of the Lord. I know today, Lord, that you're alive because of the change that you've made in my life. Not only that you said it, I believe it in your word, but I've experienced, Lord, the change that you've made in my life. And oh, I just ask you to touch hearts and lives today in this service that if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus, they would make Jesus the Lord of their life. Hallelujah. While our heads are still bowed, our eyes are closed.